there was a couple of things I learned from Kara. One is uh, I learned to live in my day, that I could Mm. do that. To me, that was really big because, you know, we are such a society of planners, always planning our next. And we couldn't outplan Kara. We couldn't plan spring break or our summer because we would plan past her. And so we got up in the morning and we planned that day. And I know a lot of the ladies, when you were interviewing them, talked about how to know where to fit in that because they didn't know whether to come or show up or, you know, what, how you navigate that. Um, And I think that in that day, you have to trust those people will tell you. Like, I knew I could tell you if it was a good day or a bad day for you to come by. I knew that you trusted that I would tell you that. But we didn't know from the morning whether this was going to be a hard day or whether it was going to be a day that was easy. And we just lived our day. And that was when I walked away from that and looked back on it, it was even hard to feel like I was there for three months when because I felt like I lived there a day. And now, Mundane Faithfulness presents, in partnership with South Park Crawlspace Records, the Mundane Faithfulness Podcast. the Mundane Faithfulness Podcast, where friends of Kara Tippett's gather to discuss issues of grace, community, hardship, and the gospel. I am your host, Blythe Hunt, and today Jill Butine and I are discussing chapters eight and nine of the book that she co-authored with Kara, Just Show Up. And today in the studio, we have an absolutely phenomenal, very precious, beloved guest, Mickey. Hello. <laughs> My lovies. Oh, we're so happy to have you here. Okay, so so many people have heard Mickey's name, I'm sure, over blogs and everything. And I talk about her in the book. Um, she was just a huge, huge part of Kara's life. So Mickey, can you just kind of give us the background, how you knew Kara, um, what your relationship looked like, just for people who are tuning in? I met Kara when she was 17 years old. And she had... Um, followed a friend to that she was invited by this friend to our youth group. And I was there and I saw her. I knew she was new. And she was talking to Jenny and I had no idea of the miracle that was happening. She had come, she had listened, and she wanted it. And Jesus just met her there. Mm-hmm. So she followed the kids. I have two boys. One, my oldest is the same age as Kara, and then I have one that's two years younger. And um, she followed them to our house because that was the gathering place. And she entered my kitchen and my heart and stayed with us. Mm. So she would come home from college and um, any breaks that she had to our house and 
we kept real close and she had a hard transition when she was bringing her lives together as far as those before Jesus and those mm-hmm. after Jesus. So when, and when so, you met her, she was not a Christian, right? She came to your house. She had, I met her the night that she asked Jesus into her heart. Okay. Wow. And, but you know, she had a, all of her friends, she was entering a totally new community and changing her life completely. And that is not an easy thing to do. She already set up through, you know, for college Mm -hmm. with certain friends, for roommates or different things. And um, so she had to navigate that. And it was really hard. And and Kara being Kara, she was in everybody's business in that dorm. (laughs) You know, everybody, everything bad. She was right there carrying those people. So it was hard for her. And I would go down and visit. And one time I went down and just took her camping. We would just, I packed up the tent. We went, we camped and and, uh, just kind of helped her get through it. And then she moved in with some of the kids from our home, you know, as far as our community. And my boys and Jason lived in the house behind the girls. So I was in between those houses. So I've traveled their journey together. Mm. And, um, you know, it, um, so she would come to town. She would come to our house. So we've had a long 20 year, uh, friendship. So my being part of this journey was not even, that was a heart. That was not a choice. Mm. So that was an easy no to do, yeah. you know, would go in there and do it. Yeah. What was it like to be far away? I mean, you came very often, but you don't live here. I mean, what was that process like? Well, um, I had, uh, you know, I had decided it was, it kind of was something that was totally led for me. I had been trying to get involved with different things, and it just didn't work out. And I found myself, because um, my daughter-in-law started having babies, that I would go and help her in New York City. Mm-hmm. My dad became ill, so I was going down and helping my dad and my mom, and then my dad passed away. And I was walking through her, my mother's healing and which led into the time with Kara. So I had, I had decided that I was going to be available. That was what my, what I was led to. Other doors had closed. So I found that what was opening up for me was just being available. Mm. And so I had been navigating that for a couple of years when Kara texted me about, and my husband about, uh, finding the lump. Mm-hmm. And so when we saw her enter, she had posted, you know, a hard uh, time on her blog. And my husband had read it in one room, I read it in the other, and he entered the room and said, you need to go to Kara. And I said, I was thinking the same thing. Mm-hmm. And so when that happened, I let them know that I was, that I was available to come and help. And I was available to come on a one-way ticket, but with the understanding that when they needed me to leave, I would leave. And it was nothing personal, but we had to understand that because for Karen and I, we knew that this was easy right. together. But for Jason to sign on to someone coming in into his home and, you know, staying like that, that was right. a hard choice. 
Absolutely. Um, to do. And, and so with the understanding, you know, you tell me to go when you're, right. you're tired of someone being in your house, I, I get it. And the other understanding was that I wasn't going to discipline their children or parent their children. Okay. I was going to do anything and everything they asked me, but I wouldn't do that. And, um, and that worked. It just worked. Mickey, when you came out here the first time for your first extended stay, how did you navigate that? Because it's one thing to think, I'm going to show up and I'm going to be there for them. But then you get here and it might not be what you expected or anticipated. And you had to figure out how you're going to love the tippets on an um, everyday basis and fit into their family. What was that like for you? Well, I'm a community hoarder. Here was too. <laughs> We can hoard in on any community existing. And I looked at this as, oh, I am going to get to know these mamas and adoring daddies. And I'm going to have tons of kids running through this house. And I am going to love this. And so I went into it knowing that I was going to, I was so excited to get to know Kara's community. And, um, so it wasn't really hard. I, you know, we had a couple of days of trying to figure out like what was going to be expected. I came in on some systems that were already in place. Mm-hmm. I just had to learn those as systems. You know, at that time she was drinking a lot of, you know, um, drinks and I had to mix those and, you know, smoothies this and smoothies that mm-hmm. and, you know, figure out and just kind of, um, I had done it before. And I knew how to just go in and try to figure out what needed to be done versus what I thought needed to be done just need to be put to the side. And I knew Kara well enough to knew what she valued. And I focused on those things. We needed to keep the kitchen maintained and running and people fed that had to be done. And, um, I went to bed when the kids went to bed, so Karen and Jason would have time in the evening together. We just kind of figured it out. And at that time, even though Kara was going through treatment and um, she was having really hard times, she had really good times. She still had a, a certain amount of her strength and personality that was just still booming in her. And we sat sometimes in our pajamas till 1 o'clock you know, <laughs> drinking coffee and and chatting and not worrying about anything and looking over and finding story and potato chips for breakfast and <laughs> vowing never to re- tell anybody that. But uh, <laughs> so, you know, we went to bed at night and she continued to text me sometimes at night. And oh. so it just went good. Yeah. I had some fears, like when you're entering something like... um this of the unknown of care. I'm not a nurse. I didn't know what was going to be asked of me. I'm the person that just prays that no one tosses their cookie on the airplane because if they do, I'm done. (laughs) You know, I'm going to just ricochet it down. But, you know, um, I never handled my kids being sick very well. But, you know, it was amazing that I was never in a situation I couldn't handle. You know, it's it was just there and we dealt with it and it wasn't, you know, she had these little green bags with the little plastic rims on them and, and, um, we just faced it and it wasn't anything we couldn't do. And 
well, even Jason got sick and I faced that well. So, you know, it's your, when it is from your heart, it is surprising what you're able to do. It's like looking at parenting and saying, oh, I'll never be able to change diapers like that. But when you're faced with what needs to be done, you just do it. Okay, so this is a question I have when I was hearing you talk earlier about Kara. So was Kara this community person even from a young age or did she learn that from you? Because I mean, how unique that you both were this way. Oh, we were real similar. I think that's what drew us to each other. She was just easy for me because she was a people gatherer always. I mean, in high school, you know, she was part of the team. You know, she had her group and that was what was so easy for her. We had a a, a large community that met at my house of kids and she just dove right in that. And so she was one that always gathered people. And I think, you know, community presents itself so many different ways. And it's in our life because we're designed that way. It's, right. you know, at your church or your kid's school or, or organization that you join, book club, friends from high school that you continue to meet with. Um, you, you have these opportunities where community presents and you have to decide whether you're going to go boldly in it and mm-hmm. join that community or whether you're going to create that community. And sometimes you're the creator and you have to then say, how am I going to do this? Mm-hmm. And will I open my home and bring people into my home? Will I, you know, you just, and even for introverts, community is still a desire mm-hmm. because everyone need, needs and longs to be part of and wants to be known. So yes. it's always there. And um, so, and Kara was good at evaluating that. She could go in and figure that out and she knew how to do it. Right. And I've learned that it's never based on what you have. In fact, if you wait, now, if you're the type of person that loves to be fancy, people will come and enjoy that you, when they go to your house, they, things get to be fancy. Mm-hmm. But if it's a burden to try to be fancy, then you don't go there. You be Uh yourself. You open your home. It doesn't have to be, if you have to wait till your home is clean, people like simple. Yeah, They'd rather go into simple than things overdone. Right. Uh So you just make community simple. And that's what Kara did. She knew how to just open the doors and let people come in. She didn't worry. She only worried about people being comfortable. Mm-hmm. That's what your focus is. If people are comfortable, you're fine. It doesn't have to be, you know, who's going to judge what you have in your home or what you don't have. It's just I've had many people lay down on my floor and go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> they have no trouble being comfortable. <laughs> I feel like we have a lot of people who almost would say they don't know how to do this or I don't know. Um, They'll say, you know, no one's showing up for me or I don't know how to show up for other people. What would you say to them, Mickey? Well, it is really hard. Like, um, I am, I'm not great at going in. um, 
I'm not one that brings meals to people. I don't sign up for the meal delivery. Me either. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I mean, I find it a real burden. I just cannot get there on time. Me I either. have trouble putting it together. I just, and I have a friend that it just, she is spot on. She just knows how to do it. Mm. And um, so I think if you try to force things, it is hard. And it, it so it, it does have to be somewhat of a heart thing. You have to look at your gifting and try to move in in that way. And sometimes it just is being patient and waiting for, you know, just being available. And it, and it will present itself. Sometimes you do have to nudge in a bit and take the risk. But, um, you know, it's just keeping your eyes and your heart open. Sometimes it's just inviting someone over for tea. You know, someone just knowing that my home's open for you um, can be the first step in doing that. Right. I'm one that likes to operate out of my home. I like my home being the gathering place. I want my kitchen to be a safe place for people. And when the kids, when my house was full of kids... I, they couldn't leave my house without passing through my kitchen. Mm-hmm. They said it was like mm-hmm. this spider in the corner, and when they tried to sneak through, I'd be like, Girl, how was your day today? And I could catch them in my little web, and I and they'd be like, don't tell Mickey, and before you knew it, they had it spilled their guts. I knew oh. how to get it all out of them. But And so sometimes you just have to... Um, you know, take the risk of, of inviting people into your home or out for coffee and spend a little time together. Um, you know, it just looks so different for so many people right. that, and it doesn't have to be grand to start with. It can be very simple, but it's acting on it. Like Ali talked about, um, you know, meeting Kara at a neighborhood function. And it could have stopped there really easy, but it didn't. They continued to pursue each other in little ways. And it doesn't mean it's always going to be smooth or you're always going to understand it. Just like Allie had her moments of what is my um, role in this? Should I show up and should I not? Or you're always going to have to navigate that part of it. But... If you have confidence in the fact that, and you believe in community, it will present itself the right way. Mm-hmm. It will continue to grow. Mickey, what would you say to people who have been disappointed because community isn't happening? Um, they've tried and it's just not happening for them and their hearts hurt and they have needs that should be filled by community, but there is no community. What do you say to that kind of disappointment? I think you really have to, it would be really easy to say, I'm done. But you have to examine, is this coming from me? Is this, you know, am am I backing out because of something in me? Because if I really believe in this, even if it's hard and I've been disappointed, you have to believe it's worth fighting for. Mm. You have to keep nudging in. And um, I know there are people who it just... I saw girls that, you know, just couldn't make the community with others, Mm -hmm. never had the best friend, never, it just never happened. And then, but it happened at 40 or it Mm -hmm. happened, you know, there's never a time limit on it. You can meet the people that are going to walk through the rest of your life at 60 Mm -hmm. and finish your life with it. It's, it always has the potential of 
being there. It didn't have to happen at 18. It didn't happen, have to happen. It becomes easier at certain ages because you can use your children as a means of, of, uh, joining community and getting to know other parents. Right. So when you have kids, it tends to be an easier time and you have to, um, really, um, you know, maybe work harder at it when you're someone that those things have passed and you're still looking for community. You have to take the risk to join. You have to just join and be part of things and try to set the way you feel aside. And I know that sounds so easy to do (laughs) when it is so hard to do it, but you do. And you have to trust. There's an element of faith and trust that if this is what God designs, and you desire it for the right purpose, it will come to you. It will come to you. You just have to keep putting yourself out there. You have been listening to the Mundane Faithfulness Podcast with Blythe Hunt, an official production of the Mundane Faithfulness blog. You can find us on the web at mundanefaithfulness.com or on Facebook at mundanefaithfulness.com slash community. Subscribe now to hear the weekly podcast on iTunes or your preferred podcasting application. Help us spread the word. If you enjoyed this week's episode, please go to iTunes and leave a review. Thank you for supporting the Mundane Faithfulness community.